Wonderful people. What's up? Uh, we want to welcome you guys again to One Shot Church. Uh, we're so grateful when you tune in, uh, when you interact with us, when you engage with us. Uh, to know church in this season still consists of people. That's the whole heart. God's heart is people. It's you. It's me. It's us together living this life and realizing that we are only better when we're together. Uh, so that's what we want you to be reminded of this Sunday or whenever during the week you may check this video out. We are better in community together. Uh, so today, this morning... Uh, uh, whenever you check this out, we are sh shooting this in the morning, uh, but whenever you check this out, uh, our heart would be this, that you're drawn closer to God and that you're transformed to become and look more like him. That's the whole goal of what we're doing. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then we have this amazing new content series that we have coming up called Just Jesus uh, that I would love to dive into and share some things with you this morning or whenever you're checking this out. So if you guys don't mind, pray with me, and then let's get this thing rocking and rolling this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. Uh, we just thank you for being the creator the one who formed us in our, in our mother's womb before we were ever thought of. We thank you for being a God who, who desires to reveal yourself to us. Uh, so I just pray, God, as this uh, content is delivered by me, as it's experienced by your people or whoever may encounter it, might you give us all ears to hear from you? Might you be the teacher? I pray, God, that you help my words to be clear, that they would speak directly to hearts and souls that need to hear it where they need to hear it the most. We love you, Lord. We thank Thank you for the opportunity to be a church, to be a community of people together, moving in a direction that is constantly drawn closer to you and to your kingdom. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Let me hear you from your couch or your bar stool or your, well, I don't know what you have in your house. Whatever that is. Amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So today, um, I, I wanted to start with this thought, and, and it's this, that I believe that how you view the world, which is defined as your worldview, or, or how you view God, are two of the most important things about you as an individual. And, and when it boils down to it, there's two definitions I wanted to start from and launch from today. The first is this, it can either be subjective or objective. So, and that's the definition of, of, of how you view God, of how you view the world, of what you define as true and what's not true. It can either be subjective or objective. Subjective means this, as you see, I will put this on the screen. It means this, that it's based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. And so many of us, we have things that are subjective. We were just having a conversation this morning about Chick-fil-A. Subjectively speaking, I don't think Chick-fil-A is that great. I mean, it makes me feel heavy. You get some food. It's not enough food. They don't put enough fries. The sandwich is too small. It's like, come on, man. There's so many things. And Chick-fil-A, to some people, is the best thing ever. But subjectively, we will have differing opinions. The, the other thought is this, objective. Objective, and it means this. It says, of a person or their judgment, and it's not influenced by personal feelings or opinions in considering and representing facts. It's not influenced by personal feelings or opinions. And, and I believe this, that your worldview, your God view, it has to come from an objective place. But what we all struggle with is, is, is treating God in a subjective manner which means based on how I'm feeling, my view of God will shift. Or based on how I'm feeling, my view of the world around me will shift. But I believe at the core of what it means to live this life, at the core of what we're expressing in this series called Just Jesus, at the center of it 
There is objective truth, which is not influenced by personal feelings. It's not influenced by how good a day you may be having or not having. We want to get to what is objective. And this made me think back to my uh, collegiate days. Again, shout out Carnegie Mellon University. There were some very difficult days I had on campus, and it was based on this. I was taking so many math classes and so many chemistry classes and all of these courses, and a lot of it was a struggle. But I remember when I was introduced to things such as algebra, and I was introduced to chemistry, and this was in middle school, high school, what I began to love about those subjects before I got to college, and they got all crazy and flipped around, what I began to love was this. There was only one objective answer. So as when, when you're represented with an equation such as two plus two, there's only one objective answer. Regardless of how creative you may be, regardless of your skin tone, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your background, there's only one objective answer to two plus two. And what does that equal? Twenty no four. It equals four. It equals four, right? So uh, again, when you think about chemistry, what I loved about chemistry is, regardless of 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 what happens on in in the a chemical equation, is that it always must balance. Things must balance, and that doesn't matter what 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 elements you put on which side of the equation. Things must balance, and 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 this is what I want us to get to today. I believe that there is a problem that all of humanity is in the same boat. We all have this same problem. And so many people, subjectively speaking, will think that there's a multiplicity of answers. But at the core, there must only be one answer to this problem that all of humanity is faced with. And the whole goal of what we're doing today is to unpack what is the answer to the largest problem that humanity will ever face. And humanity is me, it's you. And that's where we're gonna go today. So as we turn our Bibles, let's go. We're gonna go to, the first thing is Genesis chapter three. And, and, and the title is this, that just Jesus is the answer. Just Jesus is the answer. But the first question we're asking is, what's the problem? What is the problem that we're confronted with? And, and, and here we pick up in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read it. We're, we're introduced just in Genesis 1 and 2. The first man, the first woman, they were created. All of this earth was created. We had God said this was good, and he created trees and the bugs and, and the oceans and light and dark and night and day, and then he created man, and he said it was good. And all of of this goodness and God's goodness and his fullness was created in this earth. And then we jump into Genesis chapter 3. And it says this in verse 1. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? From any of the trees in the garden. Verse 2 the woman responds, she says, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Verse 3, it says, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And, and I want us to park there for a second, and, and there's a few thoughts that I wanted to unpack. Uh, I believe this, that questions and doubts are not bad when it comes to us and God. So what, what I'm trying to get to is to define the problem. And just to give you the answer ahead of time, the problem is sin. 
It is sin. And I want us to think now as we're reading these scriptures, what is the inception, the starting point? Where did sin begin and how does it impact me now? So as we're confronting these verses in verse number one, I believe this, it says uh, questions and doubts aren't sinful in and of themselves. And I think sometimes in Christian communities or if you grew up in church like I did, or maybe you didn't grow up in church and then you started meeting church people, what you realize is sometimes questions seem to be frowned upon. It's like, well, we just believe that because, or well, well, you know, we don't really ask that here. So-and-so said it, my pastor said it and you repeat it. And it's like, well, hold on, hold on. Questions are not sinful in and of themselves, but I do believe that these questions are, it's more important, and and as we see with Eve, with these questions that are presented to her in verse number one by the serpent, which is the devil, and and then she responds, it's, it's more important where you go for the answer to your questions. The questions in and of themselves are not bad, but where do you go for the answers, and do you arrive at a place of truth? And we see in verse number three um, that, that, that it causes me to ask another question, right? And the, and the question that comes to mind is when Eve replies, she says, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. That's what God said. God said he gave her clear instructions and she repeats it. The serpent begins to twist God's word. And here we are confronted with the battlefield that we all live in the middle of, which is either God's words are good enough that I should obey them. God's words are wise enough that I should believe them or they're not. And this is where Eve is, and I believe that it's representative of what all of us will go through at some point or another in life. Either God's word is good and wise enough, or it's not. And and Eve is being confronted with that in verse number three. Let's pick back up and read in verse four. And and, and the serpent begins to, to throw in and lob in some other thoughts that make Eve challenge what it is that God said. Verse four says this. It says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And then here we go. Verse number six, it says this, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And he ate it too. And at verse 6, as we see this, it says in uh, the New Living Translation I'm reading from, it says, the woman was convinced. She was convinced. And, and, and she was convinced by what she saw. And I believe that that convincing right there, that moment, that that is the inception of where sin arises, that she saw something as more beautiful, as more alluring, as more true, as more appealing than what it is that God had told her. She began by her actions to say, God, you're not true. And I believe all of us, all of us are confronted with this. Are we saying by our actions, God, you are not true? Or are we submitting, as we'll continue to to unpack this today, are we submitting to be in a position of obedience, which says, God, I trust you no matter what. And and by what she saw, she pursued things outside of what it is God desired. And let's see what, what is the result of what Eve saw, what she was convinced of, and then what she reached out and partook of. What was the immediate result? Verse 7, it says this. It says, at that moment, 
Their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Verse 8 then ends as we end here. It says this. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And I believe this on the heels of what we see is the inception of sin, where Eve chose to do something. She chose to go against her and Adam. They chose to go against what God told them. Right on the heels of that, we see verse 7, it starts this, that shame was the immediate response. Shame then led to separation and hiding. Shame led to separation and hiding. Verse 8, we see the end of it. God used to walk about. He used to interact. He used to engage. We, we, we were spending some time in small groups defining this one word, fellowship. Fellowship is not just what you have in a particular hall or a particular old room at church where some church mothers cook macaroni and cheese and green beans. That's not just fellowship. Fellowship is this. It's us and God closely intertwined. It's an intimate, the most intimate type of relationship, fellowship. And we see this, the result of sin is broken fellowship with God. It caused Eve and Adam, in verse 8, to hide from the God who created them, who knew everything about them intimately to the most finite details. It caused us to hide from the one place that is meant to be the most accepting of us ever. And I believe all of us are in that boat together. This is the problem. Sin leads to shame. Shame leads to hiding. And, and, and as we continue, I wanted us to jump down. To, uh, in, in, we're still in Genesis chapter 3. I wanted us to jump down. We're going to read verses 22 and 23. We're going to read verses 22 and 23. And it says this in, oh, I lied, 23 and 24. Forgive me, forgive me. Verse 23 says this. It says, so the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. Verse 24, after sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. I want you to understand this, that um, God promised something at the beginning when he created Adam and Eve. And, and I love the fact that we, there, there's a great song that, uh, you know, has a, uh, Rodney was talking about this. It has a little bop to it. It says, God is a man of his word. If he said it, we believe it. And we love to talk about that song when it comes to us claiming our new business or when it comes to us, uh, you know, uh, making that million dollars or getting a raise or, or getting that husband or getting that wife or getting that new MacBook or whatever it is that you desire. We love to claim God's promises when it benefits us. But the challenge I want to leave to you today is this. If God said something and it's not 100 percent across the board, if he said it, we believe it. And I want you to know today, God said the result of sin is death. Do you believe that or not? That doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside, but it will cause you to confront the truth in the mirror. And that's what we desire here today. If God said it, do you believe it? Or have you subjectively begin to feel something else, to be like, man, God is love. He doesn't mean I'm going to die. What that meant metaphorically was that uh, something would, no, no, no. God said it. Do you believe it? 
or not. And, I, and what I wanted to pull out from verse 23 and 24 is this, that God banished them from the garden. God let them know, hey, you chose something other than my wisdom, other than my plan, other than my power. So now separation is a result of your personal choices. And I want you to know that this story of Adam and Eve, it's not just them. It's us. It's us. It's us plugged into the picture that now there is a separation, a banishment. Our relationship has been broken. Our fellowship has been removed because sin stepped on the scene. Sin stepped on the scene. And now the equation, which used to be us and God, it's now us and sin. And us and sin does not equal fellowship with God. The equation has been mixed up. There's another variable that has been placed, and this is for all my math people out there. So I, I did want to put these equations so you see it. It's sin and us is guaranteed to equal death because God said it. Do you believe it or not? But our God, in all of his goodness, says, hey, I am going to drop another equation, another variable into this equation. So sin plus us plus this other variable, which is God himself, which we're going to unpack. It no longer equals death. It now leads to eternal life. But you cannot get from this equation from sin and death over to eternal life by yourself. There has to be another player. There has to be a superhero. There has to be someone else that comes on the scene to allow this equation to balance objectively because none of us are good enough to do this in and of ourselves. So now we see what the problem is. We see, we see the problem that has entered the scene of all humanity. Let's see what this means further. Let's go on. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse number 12. We, 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 we've seen the origin of sin with Adam and Eve, and I love how Romans 5, we jump from, from, from the, our forefathers right there in the beginning, the inception of mankind. We jump over to this amazing book written by Paul in Romans, and Paul begins to unpack what it means to have a, a foundational core of faith, why it is that we need our faith, what it means, what is our faith founded upon? We go from Genesis over to Romans, and we pick right back up with this player, Adam. It says this in verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Okay? Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Oh. And what, what, what I love about this is it's a catch-all. It's a catch-all because we love to classify ourselves and put ourselves in a different class. It'd be like, nah, I'm better than this person because I haven't done this. Or, nah, I'm better than this. And we just, we, we, especially as Christians and church people, we love to stunt on people, man. It's like, it's like I'm into shoe culture a little bit. I'm a little bit removed because I don't like spending money like that. I mean, if you want to buy me some shoes, 10 and a half, 11, but forget that, all right? But the thing about wearing new shoes is like, nah, man, I'm about to stunt on these people. I'm going to let them know, you know, I got, I got this. This separates me. This puts me in a different class than everybody in this room because nobody else has the shoes I have on. We love to be so individual that we stand out from everyone. What I love about Romans 5 verse 12 is this. You are included. I am included. We are all included. It says, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread 
to everyone. There's no, there's no separation. You don't have the custom-made Nike Yeezy 5000. Those don't, those don't exist, but I mean, if someone wants to make them, right? You don't have those. You, you didn't get the custom release. It says, Adam's sin spread to everyone, to everyone. Verse 13, let's pick this thing back up. It says, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Verse 14, still... Here we go again. Catch all. Everyone, there's a big net being thrown. It says this in verse 14. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol. He's a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. He was who was yet to come. So so we've we've painted a picture of what the problem is. We painted a clear picture, but I want you to know that our God, oh, here it goes. This is, this is where we begin to understand why we say God is good. This is where we begin to understand why we would sing some songs, why we would go to church, why we would do things that make us uncomfortable and not feel good. It's because in the midst of our problem that deserved death, God always had a plan to bring us back together. God always had a plan. He always had a plan, a variable to be thrown into the equation that would bring us back to himself. How amazing is that? You can't say God is good until you truly understand how bad your situation was first. And that's why some of us, we say God is good on a very surface level because we think God is good if our circumstances are good. God is good because our circumstances were always meant to equal death because Adam sinned and we all sinned, but he threw in a variable to this equation. I love it. Verse 15, as we go down here, it says this, but... Oh, come on. There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For sin of this one man, Adam, that's what we read about in Genesis, right? We read about this. The sin of one man brought death to many. That's us. That's me. That's you. All of us are in this boat. The sin of this one man brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. Ooh. Not his earned forgiveness, not the forgiveness you paid for, not the forgiveness you worked for. His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Wow. Forgiveness is only, the answer is only, the, the, the answer only comes one way. Objectively speaking. Not based on how you're feeling. The answer only comes one way. Through this other man, Jesus Christ. Adam brought death to all. Jesus is what, what, what the Bible says. It's a type. It's a, it's a shadow. It's a, it's a representation. Adam represents Christ in this simple fact that what Adam did impacted us all. Negatively, though. But what Jesus did impacts us all in the most positive way ever, that he removed the stain of sin that only he could do. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Let's keep going. Verse 16 says this, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, led to damnation. It led to God looking upon us 
justified in wanting to punish us because sin, he's a man of his word, sin equals death. But, oh, come on, big old bus. You shouldn't do that. Stop. But God's free gift. I did that in the middle of the scripture. Forgive me, y'all. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. Hold on. Even though we are guilty of many sins, God's free gift, just Jesus is the answer. God's free gift leads to us being made right with God because he loves us. God flipped the equation on its head, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, because he loves us, because he loves us. Verse 18 in Romans 5 says this, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. That's what we said, him, our forefather, the one that went before us, he, he sinned. It, it, it's in our DNA. It has impacted all of us. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Again, but, oh, come on, that's a, it's a direction change. It's a, it's, it's, it's the story arc having a complete plot shift. It's, it's a new character being inserted. It says, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life, oh, and new life for everyone. The old has gone, the new has come. And it's, it's accessible to all. In the same way sin spread to all, Jesus' life, Jesus' life, everlasting life, life after death, eternal life, perfect life is accessible to all. Not because you earned it, but because it's a gift from God. Because it's a gift from God. In closing, I want to leave you with this last verse. And um, it, it really does paint this picture. I want you to know there's a problem, and it's not unique to you. That problem includes me. It includes my family, back to as far as our line goes. It includes all of America. It includes uh, PG, Montgomery County. It includes every continent on this earth. We all, objectively speaking, have the same problem because we all emerged from Adam. Adam brought sin. There has to be an answer to the problem. I offer you the truth today. I pray that this truth looks you in the face and you are confronted. What is your answer to the problem of sin? Because if God is perfect and his word is true, sin will result in death. There must be an answer. The answer today is just Jesus alone. I love this in Matthew chapter 1. This paints the picture I leave you with. In verse 21, it says this, speaking of Mary, Jesus' earthly mother, it says, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Salvation is offered to you today. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23, the last thing I leave you with says this, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him, if I could sing, Emmanuel. No, I can't sing. Emmanuel. Emmanuel 
which means God is with us. The separating fact about what we believe in our faith, about why we offer an answer that is just Jesus, is there are many religions and belief systems which may offer you a salvation that is based upon you working to achieve getting back to God, of God being so distant that you must achieve this, you must pray this, you must work like this, you must do this, you must knock on this many doors, you must check this many boxes to get back to where God is. Their equations have no variable to provide you the appropriate answer. But what we offer you here today is this. God with us. Jesus saw the problem before it even started. Our God is infinite in his wisdom. Jesus saw the problem, and he did not back away to say, I don't have enough power to solve it. Our God is infinite in his power. Jesus saw the problem, and with the problem at the same time, which is our sin, he saw the answer. And he provided the answer, not from a distance. He provided it by lowering himself to be involved and enwrapped in, 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 in the same flesh as us. God with us. Jesus is the answer because in the midst of our lowest and worst conditions, he inserted himself. He did not push himself away. So I challenge you today, if sin is the problem that we all have, have you accepted and received the answer, which is not something you work for. It's something you believe. Faith in Jesus is the only answer to the world's greatest problem, which is sin. So today, let's pray. And I'm praying for someone who, who, who's not sure they have the answer. And if you're not sure, I offer you, please reach out to us. We want to walk with you through what this answer is. It's a journey. It's a moment where you realize the truth. It's a journey that you walk through to grow into that truth. And that's what God wants us to do as a church, to be built up, to be built up together. So I'm going to pray. If, you, if you've never received it, I offer you again, please reach out to us. But you can pray with me today to embrace the answer of just Jesus alone objectively. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the truth which is so clearly laid out in your word, for the truth which is objective, which is not, does not change based on how we feel, based on the continent we're on, based on our color, our race, our demographic. The truth is objective. God, we all have the same problem, which is sin. But Jesus, we thank you for inserting yourself, our beautiful Savior who came on the scene. So if there's anyone here today, God, who's wrestling with this answer, who's being confronted with this truth in a way like never before, God, don't let them go. Let them know you're reaching towards them this morning. God, you're pulling on them this morning. By your spirit, God, pull them close. And allow us to embrace you, you alone, as our answer. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Uh, of course, we want throughout this series or at any time, if any questions, uh, concerns, you need more, you need someone to talk to, to pray with you, feel free to drop a comment, send us a DM, and we would love to be in touch. Signing off for One Shot Church. See you guys soon. Peace.